Let's bow our heads and hearts for a prayer. Indeed, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And so often, our hearts become proud and self-sufficient, and we don't realize these things. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity this morning to open thy word and to reset our perspective on what is real and what is important and what our basic response to this life should be. Father, we pray for your inspiration, for your spirit to work, because without you we are as useless as these lights are without electricity going through them. We cannot shine. We cannot bring forth light and reveal. So we pray that you would flow in us and through us and lighten our hearts and reveal the things that we need to see and that we would not just see them, but we would take action. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For a meditation this morning, let's turn together to the first uh, epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, the last chapter, chapter 5. Let's begin reading from verse 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning from verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again as we have gathered this morning. And we believe, Lord, that it is Thy perfect will that we be here, exposed to Thy Word, having the opportunity for our mind and our hearts to be touched by what is true and what is everlasting. 
Father in heaven, we believe that thou art the Spirit, and in that sense, Lord, thou canst speak to each of us, even though there is one speaker, and yet thy Spirit can touch each different heart and different life that's here. And we believe, Father, because thou art God, that thy will can be revealed to man in a special way, and also in a simple way by the spoken word. And so, Father, we pray that all that are present here today may, be ben- may benefit from what they hear, that they may consider the words that are spoken and reflect upon their own lives, that they would take the time to think, seriously think, as they would observe the evidence and the facts around them of the existence of man and who he is and where he's going, and be able to compare that against what thy word says, what, who man ultimately is, and what drives man. We believe, Father, that thy word makes that plain to us. It's up to us to make that, take that choice and believe or not believe. But, Father, this morning we pray that thy word would be convincing, that it would be able to speak to those that may be doubting, those that have not yet settled it in their heart and in their mind, that they need to make right with thee, and that ultimately their actions will be judged against a judgment that is true and that is perfect. And so, Father, we pray, may thy will be fulfilled this morning. And Lord, we pray not only for ourselves that have gathered here, but we pray for those who have a desire to know thee and and are hindered and are unable to be here. We pray that thou would visit them in thy spirit and encourage them through the printed word that they may read on their own. We pray, Father, for those that are away and that are traveling. We pray that thou would be able to bring them back safely and protect them. Father, we pray for the word that is taught to the children below in Sunday school classes. We, we know, Lord, how important it is for them to know the word from their youth because that word stays with them and there'll be instances in their lives, Father, where the word is brought to their recollection and they will have an opportunity to decide, an opportunity to assess what they experience and the things that they see against the things that they know to be true. And we pray, Father, that that experience may be something that all our youth may go through in the days to come. Father, we also pray for those, Lord, on this world that, that hunger for the truth. And we pray, Father, that thou would be able to bring thy servants to them and be able to give them the knowledge of the truth as we have it so abundantly here. But there are many, Father, that hunger for the truth and do not have this privilege. We pray, Father, that as thou art able to do so many things beyond our asking, that thou would be able to bring the truth to those who need it, who hear it, who desire to know it. Father, lastly, we pray that wherever thy word is preached on the face of this earth, that it may be done in truth and in sincerity. We pray, Father, that thy will may be furthered here below and that we, as, as a body of believers, that we may be found faithful and that we may be furthering thy purpose here below that each of our lives may be aligned. And as we have come together this morning, that those of us who believe and have embraced the truth may question ourselves, may compare our lives against the standard that we read about and that we will meditate upon and contemplate about this morning, that we may find ourselves faithful to the truth and that our lives may be examples and that we may be furthering thy will here below by the way we live our lives. May what we believe and what we work out in our own lives be consistent in all aspects. 
We pray now, Lord, that thou would bless thy servant, give him utterance, give him the ability to see clearly what thy will would be, put words in his mouth, and may he be able to step aside from himself and allow thy spirit to inspire him and to give him direction. For we know, Lord, that thy spirit is the best teacher that we can have. And so we pray that thy spirit would inspire this morning. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The perspective of giving thanks is finally getting attention even in the scientific community. As always, God has a design. And the best we can do is to think God's thoughts after him and to discover how it is that he has designed and made us that we can learn to be and operate according to his will. It says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And sometimes in the rebellious human mind, we want to have our own will, and we want to, we resent having to follow someone else's will. But God's will is never one to squelch, to be a tyrant, but always actually what's best for us. So studies have been done. Human beings are preoccupied by what they call happiness, or maybe they want to term it uh, being. Uh, and they've, it's very difficult for them to measure, but they try using various forms of questionnaires to, to measure that. And then they want to find out what makes people happy. What makes people feel good about themselves and their lives? Uh, the common uh, intuition people think is that the more you have, the happier you are. But that hasn't uh, actually, when you measure it, that's not what we see. To a certain degree, when we get uh, from very impoverished countries where you don't have enough to survive to feed your families, that, that's certainly having enough to, 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 to not be starving and to be able to provide makes a big difference in your level of well-being. But as the Bible said, having food and raiment, for those countries that are beyond that, we don't see any correlation between how much you have and how happy you are. So there's been an interest in trying to figure out what it is. And they found the strongest correlation, as we would not surprise those who would read the Bible, is, is that those who are thankful, and they've done a number of experiments. In, in the one, they had um, two groups of people, and the one, they try to use 
positive thinking, that the people were to, to think about what they were good at, their strengths, and, and uh, to, to focus on, on what they could do. And the other one, they, they wanted them to, to think of someone who had done something to help them and to uh, write down a letter to that person and actually deliver it. And it's someone that they hadn't, hadn't expressed thanks to before. And then they measured how their happiness was before, after, uh, a month after, three months after, six months after. Uh, and to their surprise, there was a huge difference between the groups. And those who, um, who had done this exercise of expressing gratitude to someone they had not done before, they were much happier, not only at the one month, but even out to the six months, there still was some effect measurable effect from having expressed gratitude. <clears throat> and they did more experiments. We heard uh, Brother Frank share last week about, uh, about uh, the, the woman who journaled and every day wrote down what things she was thankful for that day and came up to, was it 4,000 uh, things? And they found that this gratitude journal even in their, their studies, having a measurable effect on people's feeling uh, happy and well-being. And I think we can learn that God's Word works, that God's design works, that God's will works. And when we, uh, when we are willing to submit ourselves to His will, then all of a sudden we work the way we're designed and we feel good about that. <clears throat> Other people are discovering that there's a, um, a huge improvement, actually in the, even in those studies, it made the biggest difference for those people who were the least happy, got the greatest uh, measurable improvement in you know, often those people who are struggling, we see here the very first thing it says, in everything, give thanks. And that's counterintuitive. Uh, we think there's some things we should be thankful for. We should be thankful for the weather yesterday when it was nice and warm and sunny and beautiful. We can go and enjoy the fall colors. We wouldn't think we want to give thanks for the weather today where it's kind of rainy and damp and, and constrains us to being inside. And, and in our lives, too, we think there's times when we should be thankful, when, when things go well, when we, you know, we make progress in our jobs, careers, school, or, and we should be, not be thankful when there's reversals in our health or, or uh, family or, or, or economics and so on. In other words, we think our thanks should depend on circumstances. And that's not what the Bible says. It says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <clears throat> so how can we do that? How can we give thanks even in times of uh, adversity, in times of trial, in times of of, uh, of downturns in, in these things that are important to us? Well, I think there's a number of answers to that. 
and that God is the key too. And this is something that uh, our secular scientific studies are not going to help us get into the right perspective. But even in those secular studies, they can see those people who are fighting illness, who are in a, 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 in a, a negative uh, situation, they can measure that those that take the, take the focus off themselves and look around and see others and try to give and express appreciation to other people in their lives, that they get better faster. They, they, they may, their, their physical condition may not change, but their sense of well-being changes immediately. And that helps. It even has a measurable a difference in how well they can cope with whatever problem they're going through. And again, this is, this is a scriptural, biblical principle. And a counterintuitive one. To, to go up to someone, uh, you know, as... as uh, we were reading an account recently, you know, someone who was struggling with uh, multiple sclerosis. Just, you know, she was in uh, her mid-30s and, uh, and, you know, just out of her honeymoon. And she had a very debilitating case that had lots of pain involved. And, and uh, it was totally ruining her life. And she was told, you know, Cammy, you need to uh, stop focusing on yourself. And you need to look and uh, appreciate and give to others. And, and she found that, you know, offensive, uh, found that totally, like, what do you mean? I, I, I can barely get through today. I, I am so much in pain. My life is so out of control. I'm losing so much. That's um, all I can do by focusing on myself to get through today. But it was by this expression of thanks, of this desire to bless others, that she's brought out of that focus of only me and my problems. And when we, when we look at our problems through a microscope, that's all we see. If that's all we're thinking about, our pain is magnified because that's all that we're focused on. And no wonder a very self-absorbed generation you know, is constantly morose depression is at an all-time high. Uh, uh, and a very materially affluent, uh, blessed technologically and having tremendous social advantages over previous generations, but yet having the highest suicide rates. Because we are told it's all about you. And that is our disease is that it's all about us. And that is where this whole idea of thankfulness, where, no, it's not about me. There was a, a man who, uh, who wrote uh, the Roots. He, he was a very famous author, and he, he needed to keep himself humble. And so he kept a picture of a turtle on a fence post because he said it's obvious that that turtle didn't get there by himself and neither do we really have all that we have and get to the places we've gotten to and how by ourselves we need to acknowledge that we are indebted 
to others, and of course, first and primarily to God. The scriptures tell us that what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why are you boasting as if you hadn't received it from God? He was speaking in, the, in uh, 1 Corinthians to, to those that were having a little bit of an ego issue, one with another. There was some parties and some partisanship, and, and there was some, there were some people who were gifted and some people who were eloquent and some people who, who were intellectual, and they, they were kind of getting a little competitive. And Paul had to say, but everything you have... You're this turtle on the fence post. You didn't get that by yourself. God gave it to you for a purpose, to build and edify the church, not to boost your ego and, 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 be, and make comparisons and be better than other people. So in the same sense, this, when we change our focus from being self-absorbed for being self-sufficient, from being the self-made man or woman, into realizing we are dependent upon God and those that God has placed in our lives to bless us and build us and, and, and encourage us, and that, that no man is self-sufficient, then we can respond with gratitude to our circumstances to the people in our lives, and most importantly, to our Creator, to whom we owe all things. To, it seems that the, the prevailing attitude, this, this, this self-absorbedness and this not wanting to humble ourselves and recognize that we are beholden, that we are indebted, that we are really Owe to, to God and to others thanks. And uh, we heard this past, um, again, Brother Frank uh, preached on the passage of the, the ten lepers and how he healed them all and only one returned to give thanks. And Jesus marveled that only this Samaritan, this stranger, returned to give thanks. And the nine continued on their way and, and didn't even bother. And he, Brother Frank uh, expressed in horrible graphic terms just, just how awful it was to have leprosy. And I, I'm not going to, to, to uh, repeat uh, the, the, the horrible things about what happened to them at night and, and, and body parts falling on and so on. And, and they were rescued from this horrible consuming disease and yet didn't think it was worth coming back to say thank you to Jesus. And uh, I, I read how, you know, we could even come up with some of the uh, excuses that people can come up with not to say thank you. In this, in this attitude of not wanting to be beholden and finding reasons you know maybe the one said uh, I'm going to wait to see if it's really sticks was I really healed another says well you know Jesus really didn't do much you know maybe I would have gotten better on my own I don't think I had leprosy to start with you know any rabbi could have done it and so on with these types of excuses 
for whatever blessings we have in our life, even this extreme example of the Lord Jesus healing someone from leprosy, we can find reasons to minimize, justify, delay, and avoid the attitude of gratitude, of realizing, you know, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, Because the truth is, we've all had that leprosy of sin. That we have been redeemed from something that was consuming us, numbing us, and and, uh, uh, destining us to, to torment and destruction. And it is easy for us sometimes to become callous and to forget. And that's why we're so thankful for an opportunity to to stop and consider. Consider what God has done for us. Romans 1 is very, very methodical and graphical and it answers the question of why is it so important that we're thankful it tells us that there's this progression of, of, of that all are aware that, okay, the turtle's on the fence post, but I exist. I have this incredible body. And the more I study, and, and now that my son's taking some biology and chemistry, and you start looking inside the cell and the complexity of of, of, of these proteins and enzymes that you know are just so marvelously lock and key designed to these complex, efficient processes. It's it's far better than we could engineer, and 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 to look at that, and that's going on in trillions of my cells, and and enabling incredible functions of sights, of of movement, of of hearing, of thinking of self-awareness, of, of allowing me to be in the image of God and to, to say that here I am and I don't, and to ignore that, that, that there was a creator and a designer that made me. The Bible says we're without excuse, that we can see in the creation of God enough evidence of who he is and his goodness and greatness that we're without excuse. But then he continues to say, but even though we have this overwhelming evidence, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, in verse 21. That's where that decision to not want to be indebted, to not really want to humble myself because why is it why do you think those nine didn't return why is it that i don't express enough thanks to the people who bless me in my life what what's the friction that slows that down over time sure there's distraction sure there's the other busy things that enter our lives but there's there's a humility that's required There's an acknowledgement that I am not the self-made man. I am not self-sufficient. Like we heard in in Revelations 3 about that, that to recognize that I am poor and blind and naked 
and am in need of God. And therefore, I cannot say that I have all things, thinking of the Laodicean church there in, in the end of Revelations 3. And that attitude needs to be broken, and we need to humble ourselves. And when we don't, we see here in Romans 1, when they were not thankful, that's when their foolish heart was darkened. That's when professing themselves being wise, because we can come up with all kinds of, of, of complex explanations, and, and uh, you know, we can come up with contrived things like evolution to try to explain why I'm here, even though it's a stretch of all, all logic and, and probability and, 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 and uh, requires tremendous faith. So professing ourselves to become wise, we become fools. We focus on the creature rather than the creator. <clears throat> and uh, we focus on what we can make with our own hands rather than the creator who made us with his hands. And, and, and the downward spiral here of, of sin and perverseness and sexual depravity and, uh, and God giving us over then to a corrupt mind, a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, things that are, will actually tear us down. So this decision to be thankful or not, has huge ramifications. It's not just about being polite and saying thank you when someone opens the door or hands you something. It's really a way of framing how we see ourselves in the world. It really changes everything. And it is in being thankful and recognizing I am made and the fact I exist is an incredible gift. So that even if I exist in difficult circumstances, I already have reason to be thankful. That, that I have, and usually it's, it's a sad but true thing that you can see in your own life. I remember when uh, Brother Ishtvan was sharing just a, a few weeks ago about his, his son having the, 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 the skull uh, problem and uh, you know of course they were very afraid possible brain damage you know worst case scenarios and when they went to the hospital and they saw the other children and they saw the 12 year old with with brain cancer and and, and other issues that it, it gave them a sense of thankfulness that their trials which consumed them before as being horrible now wow, I can be thankful I don't have what these other people are going through. And I remember uh, going through the same thing when Josiah had his heart defect and, you know, oh, you know, he might die. He has to have this operation. You go to sick kids and you see all these other children and you see the diseases that they are facing and, and you start to say, wow, I, I really can be thankful. There's, there's a hope here. You know, there, there, this can be fixed. There's some... Uh, and you... you can compare and all of a sudden see that all this stuff you're taking for granted because I'm only comparing with all the other healthy kids and because I compare with all these things that how come I don't have what other people have, I become unthankful. I become self-piteous. I become resentful. I become envious because I'm only focused on 
the good things I want that I don't have, and I don't realize the, all the other things that I could have that I've been spared. And so, you know, when you see someone who is blind or deaf, you know, it, 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 can you start to appreciate the, the miracle that you can see, and that you can walk, you can be, uh, your, your health, again, we only seem to appreciate things when they're, they're lost, or we can see those others who have lost them. So, coming back to the idea of, of thankfulness, we can be thankful for our very existence, for the fact that God, in His incredible goodness, made us with these incredible abilities, but there's so much more, so much more that He didn't leave us alone. He didn't you know, spin up the world, wind up the clockwork and let it run and walk away, that he is still in control. Because this, this is the challenge. This is the challenge. In everything, give thanks. How can we do that? When I understand, when I frame my world by realizing that there is a benevolent God, an all-powerful God, a God who knows and cares, knows the number of hairs on my head, knows the future, is not surprised by what is going to happen next. That he is in control. My life is in his hands. Now, he may, in his wisdom, uh, determine that it would be good for me to go through some period of trial. It would be good to remove some of these incredible blessings I didn't deserve to begin with that I was given freely, as you know, remember Job, who, who, you know, in this, you know, kind of worst case set up Satan, try to strip one thing after the other so that, you know, one servant is telling him, you lost all your camels, and as soon as he finished speaking, the next guy says, you lost all your, and, and so on till the last one, you've lost your children. All, everything wiped out in a period of minutes, calamity after calamity. And his response, naked came I from my mother's womb, naked will I return thither. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I respond like that? Do I recognize his, his perspective there is it's been given to me. It wasn't mine. God didn't take away, he didn't steal from me. What did I have when I was born? When I came into this world, I was a helpless, naked child. I had nothing. All these things, even life itself there, were given to me. None of that was mine. And if the God takes it away, I still can bless the name of the Lord because for for. For the privilege of having had it to begin with. But even more, we have even more. That we know that he is doing it with a good intent. We know the heart of God. And, and that was, I've shared this many times. What was really helped me the most through those times of trial was knowing 
the heart of God. When I can't trace his hand, when I don't understand, when I don't know his plan, I can trust his heart. And knowing the heart of God, that he does all things for our good, as Romans 8.28 tells us, then I can have confidence that even this season where God is removing blessings from me that I'm thankful he gave to me in the first place rather than resenting that he's taken away, that he is even doing that for a good purpose in my life. Maybe, maybe I need to appreciate these things more. Maybe by taking away for a season, I'm going to be a better steward and I'm going to maybe be sensitive to all these people who are struggling with health concerns, with economic concerns. All of a sudden, their problems are a little more real to me. My compassion is stirred more. I understand a little bit more what they're going through. I can be a vessel to bless them more, even if it is just in sitting and, and, and being with them and saying, I understand. <clears throat> the fact we have a good God who's in control allows us to, in everything, give thanks The fact that, that God loved us so much that he gave his son to rescue me from that, 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 that weight of guilt and shame and hopelessness and despair and isolation and being cut off and feeling the taint of sin that he went through such a high price to, to, to shed his blood, to suffer, to take the weight of my sin on him in my place. That is a reason to be thankful. No matter what I go through, even if I were to go through the same physical torment that the Lord Jesus Christ did, which, you know, I don't really think, you know, but even that physical torment, the fact that he took my sin in his place, something I can never, I can never suffer what the Lord suffered. I can never suffer the horror of billions of souls, evil being pulled on me while God himself is separating me. Because he did that, I will never be separated from God. I will never have to feel that sense of isolation because he did it in my place. And so no matter how horrible my circumstances, no matter how dark, how desperate, how, how, how painful my circumstances are, I have reason to be thankful because God has paid the price. And this is temporary. This is here for a purpose. This is for me to learn. Maybe it's for me to be a light to others. I don't know. Maybe it's for me to uh, just understand. But I know it's for a purpose because I know his heart. I know it's for a time and this too shall pass. And I know that there will come a day when he will restore. When this world that's groaning, Romans 8 tells us, because it's been under a curse that God put it under a curse in hope to redeem us in hope that we would say, hey, Something's wrong here. I'm experiencing pain. Maybe, maybe I've forgotten that there is a God who's given me all that I am and have. Maybe because that is the human reaction when they are in the foxhole, when they are 
in desperation. It's at that point when people finally humble themselves and turn to God. But you and I don't have to, don't have to wait for God to strip us of all the good things again before we can turn to Him even today. We can humble ourselves. We can choose to humble ourselves today and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being God. Thank you for making a way for me to be free from sin and to spend eternity where things have been restored and to be right and to be with you. As the songs say, that that is the highest joy. Thank you that I know that all things are in your control and that you are giving me everything today for my best, that your will concerning me is actually good for me. Thank you for even life itself, for the blessings of existence. Thank you for the people that you've blessed me with. Thank you for the relationships. Thank you for all those, those that have invested in me for, to be here because each of us, no matter what circumstance we're in, there are people who have reflected God in our lives in some fashion or way. Some have, have, have given to us. You, you were born helpless and naked and, and, and you did not crawl here and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're not sitting here in clothes because you did that on your own. You did not. There are people in your life that loved you, that provided for you, that gave to you. God's will is that you express thanks to them too. We read Paul, every epistle, he, he writes to the Romans. He says, I thank God for you. He writes to the Thessalonians. He says four times, I thank God for you. He writes to the Corinthians, the Philippians, the Ephesians. He writes to Timothy. He writes to Philemon. Every time, he says, I thank God for you. Do you thank God for the people in your life? Do you want to experience the blessing of God? Express thanks to Him, first of all, and also to people. And you will be blessed because that's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, that you would be blessed. And that you could live a life instead of selfishness and depression and self-absorption, rather of thankfulness, an open heart to receive and to express and to be joyful and to rejoice evermore. We are indeed a very blessed people. Let us respond with thanksgiving. In number 279, the first, second, and fourth verses.
brother, please lead us in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thankful are we to you. And oh, Heavenly Father, as it's been spoken in thy word this morning, it is not for the things we need to be thankful, but we have much to thank thee for the things we have received and the bounty that we have received from you. But it is in thee that we need to be thankful. In thee, O oh, Heavenly Father, for you have made your dwelling place with us. Who, O oh, Heavenly Father, are not worthy to walk with thee. But, O oh, Heavenly Father, you have seen it fit to give thy Son for us, but more so to pour thy Spirit upon thy children. For you know and you knew that we would be unable to walk with thee without thy spirit dwelling amongst us. And so, in that, in the fact that God is with us, we give you much thanks for the mercy, for the grace that you have bestowed upon us as we walk below that we can count upon the promises that you have delivered to thy saints. That we can know that you have been tempted and tried in the many things that we will all face. That we can have confidence in thee, knowing you have walked before us. And that you do light the way that we know that we can bring and share with you all our fears, all our struggles, and our whole heart. And that you will hear us. You will be with us. You will uplift us and encourage us. And more so, Heavenly Father, that you have given us neighbors, friends, those who are of like precious faith, that we can have confidence in, that we can confess to, that we can draw strength from in Thee. In that, in Thee, we can give you grateful thanks. And how do we know, O Heavenly Father, that Thou art with us, that we can see and we can have the evidence of the fruit of Thy Spirit in the love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance that we see in thy spirit, which does dwell with thy children. That, O Heavenly Father, we know with certainty that thou art with us and that thou dost walk with us Oh, Heavenly Father, how can we not be thankful? How can we not be thankful? How can we withhold that joy and that fullness of thy power of thy spirit, oh, Heavenly Father, in not giving thanks 
to thee who has given so much to us. How can we withhold the love? How can we withhold the joy? Oh, Heavenly Father, might we always be mindful that we serve a risen Father, that indeed, O oh Lord, you do walk with us, and that we can experience that wonderful fullness that only you can give in the power of thy Spirit. And we ask and pray, O oh Heavenly Father, that those who do see the fruits of that Spirit would yearn to have it, would desire to have thee, would desire to have the heart of God as it was spoken of this morning, that indeed, that they might know that you do dwell with us, do walk with us, and in thanks, we can walk with thee, and we can know a better way unto heaven. And we can take the promises that you have given us, the power of prayer, the power of thy word, and we can walk each day knowing that thou hast given us victory over death. Oh, Heavenly Father, how much more do we need to see and to know that thou art God? Oh, Heavenly Father, continue to walk with us. Continue to bless this, this congregation that where even small numbers gather, indeed thy power and thy might might be evident and continue to have them, have them and give them the heart of the Father. And for this, we thank thee now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Which number was that, brother? Frank? 204. 204. Which verse? One, two, three, and five of 204.
Before our closing, I'd like to just read a few verses that Brother Edmund read. Verses 23 and 24 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And God is faithful. And what we've heard this morning, God clearly has spoken to us through his word that we need to have that attribute of thankfulness. It is a characteristic, particularly of a Christian, that we should be thankful always for what we have. And it is an ingredient for success in our walk with God. Thankfulness gives us a vision, gives us a perspective of life that we would not otherwise have. And as Brother Edmund mentioned, as we become too self-absorbed, we magnify the issues in our lives to the point that we no longer see the forest from the trees. We need to be thankful so that we have that elevated view, the true perspective of life. And in doing so, we reap tremendous blessings. May God richly bless us. This concludes our service. Amen.